Hi friends and welcome to the T21 Mum podcast. My name is Mary and this is episode 83. And of course, as always, my good friend and co-host Ron is also here with me today. Hey Mary, how's it going? I'm doing awesome. I just want to apologize to our listeners in advance. They're doing roofing on my building. So if you hear noise behind me, I'm afraid I can't do anything about it. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're getting all ramped up for the, um, for the uh, retreat? Yes, I've got a lot to do in the next couple of days to get to Washington. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to hearing more about that. We have okay. a, speaking of like going away, mm-hmm. today's guest uh, has written a book mm-hmm. and it's very, it's an excellent reference for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just listened to, you know, as a, your interview with her and, and I found some amazing tips for parents that are both special parents of special needs kids and really regular families. Yes. I really enjoyed reading her book. And like when we were chatting off air, it's kind of more like a reference book, but you know, it is, you know, more about traveling with a child who's neurodivergent or, you know, she talks a lot about for kids with autism, which is what it's primarily geared to, but a lot of the tips, pretty much all of the tips would be geared to any child with who has some differences, but also just traveling with kids in general. But, you know, there's a lot of coping strategies and, you know, how to prepare for the trip. And she covers all types of travel, which kind of blew my mind. Like she's talking about cruises, resorts, dude ranches, you know, going on a train, you know, flying on airplanes, all sorts of things. So I really found it beneficial and really kind of eye-opening, like for how we can manage these different ways of traveling and, and how to travel with our kids. Okay. Let's go talk to Don. Okay. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I'm talking with Don Barclay, author of Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. Welcome, Don. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. So first, can you tell us a little bit about you and what actually prompted you to write this book? Yeah, great question. So I grew up in a travel family. My parents owned a big travel agency in Manhattan, and then later two satellite offices. Uh, And then they branched out into short-term rental apartments in Europe. And I worked for them for two stints of 10 years each (laughs) uh, and worked up from very basic work up into head of sales and marketing. And so I sort of grew up in travel. I left them in between to write for uh, four travel magazines, Travel Trades, uh, and uh, most recently, I'm still the uh, contributing editor for uh, children's uh, family travel and special needs travel for insidertravelreport.com. I also write fiction. And um, when I needed a book like this, it did not exist. So Mm -hmm. I started researching it in the early 2000s. And I interviewed Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very large in AF autism circles. And I interviewed Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very large in the uh, the world of ADHD. And then I kind of hit a wall mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure where else to go because it wasn't like you could call um, a professional and let them speak to their patients. 
you know, so mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of hit a wall. I put it aside. I started writing fiction. I came back to it when I discovered that a group called IBCCES had created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional, because that's how I knew how I could write the book. I could interview those people who were mostly special needs parents themselves, mm-hmm. who had uh, really devoted themselves to learning this part of the business and dedicating a part of their business to it. And they uh, opened me up or they asked their clients if I could speak to them. And so there was a lot more information on the internet in 2019 than there mm-hmm. was back in the early 2000s. So I had you know, more at my fingertips to, uh, to delve into. And then I had this two-year break, as we all did, with <laughs> yeah. nothing to do. And I'm not very good with nothing to do. So I wrote four books during the pandemic, this being <laughs> one of them. Oh, well, that's wonderful. And so you don't have anybody in your immediate family that has autism or any type of special needs? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Mary. The most I can say about that is that when I needed this book, it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I don't speak about my children and their diagnoses or lack of same because they're adults and it wouldn't be right. It would be an infringement in their privacy. Of course. Yeah. I'm just always interested why people, you know, why they get involved in this. So yeah. Now the world is starting to open up, thankfully, again, and many people, including myself, uh, were looking forward to traveling again. Now, although your book primarily focuses on those with autism, I found many of the tips and the knowledge very relatable for people with Down syndrome. And for many of us, including myself, uh, my child has a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism, which approximately about 18% of the Down syndrome population has that dual diagnosis. Now, in your research, what were some of the main reasons that most parents of kids with special needs choose not to travel? Like, I think a lot of it would be is just too challenging. Yeah, interesting that IBCCES did a survey in 2018, where they interviewed a 1000 special needs parents to ask them about travel. And at that time, 87% said they would not travel at all. Mm -hmm. But of that 87%, 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do, which is Mm -hmm. another great reason to write the book. Now, Mm -hmm. I will add that they updated that survey in 2022. And the great news is um, an additional 9% were more willing to travel. So that number went down to 78%. Of course, that's still a huge percentage. That's over three quarters of the people surveyed who had children with invisible disabilities or physical disabilities would not travel. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons was because that I found in my research was that they were afraid of what people would think if their children went into a sensory meltdown, that they would think they were tantrums Mm -hmm. uh, and they would judge the parents as being bad parents and the children as being brats. And I just wrote a story that appeared in uh, Cars for Kids that talks about, it's called, It's Not a Tantrum and Other Things Parents Would Like <laughs> You to Know. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the reasons. But again, another reason is that they don't feel that, the, or they will travel if they know that the destination is set up for what they need, which would be low sensory rooms, low sensory afternoons, whatever it's going to take, good signage so you know what smells are where and what lighting is right. And, you know, I would say that 75 to 80% of my book is set up as strategies so that you Mm -hmm. don't have to necessarily worry about whether the place is autism friendly or not, because you'll know how to prepare ahead of time. 
but it is important to those families that, and it should be for everyone that the uh, destination is prepared to help you in what you need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, I did find, yes, a lot of it was centered around strategies on, on, you know, how you can deal with the certain situations, which I feel a lot of parents probably do know, but it's also can be a little daunting, especially if you're going into a, like a foreign country and where maybe people aren't as accepting or so on. And also, you know, just for other reasons too, it can be so stressful, but yeah, I thought they, they were excellent strategies and, and tips that all parents could use. Like even if right. your child doesn't have additional needs, but definitely if you have a child with some extra needs, for sure. I definitely found that as well, that all these tips can work for any family. Because when you take a child out of their comfort zone mm -hmm. and every child loves routine, they like predictability, mm -hmm. travel pulls them out of their comfort zone. So every child is going to become inflexible and uh, and anxious, which is why I titled the book the way I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found that it kind of covers all the bases. So now... But conversely, like you were talking about why a lot of parents with kids with special needs choose not to travel, but what are some of the reasons we should travel? Well, I think it's the reason anyone should travel mm -hmm. to become a global citizen, to understand that there's a world outside of your own world and people who live differently than you, you live. And I feel honestly that travel is the best education there is. I mean, I grew mm -hmm. up, I learned much more from travel than I ever did in school. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that the more people travel, the less biased and, and uh, uh, bigoted they will be because they understand that their way is not the only way. 100%. Yeah. I've always felt that way too, that, that travel is the best education that yeah. you can get. I lived for two years in Japan and I think I learned more in those two years than I ever did, like you said, in the classroom. So sure. yeah, it was a great uh, life education. Now I found it when I was reading your book that I, that it was interesting that you, that you suggested that when you're planning a vacation, it's actually best to choose an activity or type of experience you want and then select the destination. And I was curious, as to why you suggest this, because usually people want to go to a place first, in my, in my opinion. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Sure. Yeah. So the most important thing, especially when you're traveling with a child with invisible disabilities is to visit, visit venues that will cater to your child's sensory needs and, and their interests. Mm -hmm. So if your child is in love with dinosaurs, for example, wouldn't it be better to head somewhere with a dinosaur museum? If your mm -hmm. child loves roller coasters, why wouldn't you go to a destination that offers theme parks, especially if they've been certified as autism friendly with sensory maps indicating quieter parts of the park to decompress? Mm -hmm. So that's all part, I believe, of creating a child centric vacation. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And as I found, you know, while I was reading your book, that if a place or location caters to those with autism, it will also be a good fit for our, our kids with Down syndrome because a lot of, you know, a lot of the um, behaviors can overlap that are similar to autism and Down syndrome. Now, I think oftentimes, you know, when you're planning a trip with your child that has some additional needs, it can be quite overwhelming. I mean, obviously, depending on where you're choosing to go and how you're planning to get there. But where do we start? Yeah, also a great question. And I devote quite a, a, a large part of the book to starting small, 
mm-hmm. and, and introducing the concept of travel to children. So how do you do that? Lots of different ways. You can get picture books that have their favorite characters in travel situations. Uh, and I do list some in the book, but your local mm-hmm. librarian can list a lot more. Uh, you can watch videos of every part of that trip. Thanks to technology, they're all over mm-hmm. YouTube. And if you can't get them there, they might be on the um, the website of the travel supplier. So that child can know in advance what the airport looks like, what the hotel, driving up to the hotel, what the entrance looks like, check in the rooms, every part so that they have some predictability. Uh, there can be role play, there can be social stories. Um, and I also talk about mini experiences. So mm-hmm. what is that? Before you go and spend thousands of dollars on a hotel stay, why not spend a night at a friend or relative's house? So the child has the experience of sleeping in a bedroom that is not his or her own, because mm-hmm. right away, you're going to see where the triggers are. Do they need the sheets and blankets with the familiar scent and texture of home. Do the same thing with toiletries. Do they need the home toiletries? Do they need a nightlight? Do they need a fan to block out the noise from the um, from the hallway? All those things will immediately show up and will tell you how to prepare when you actually go on the main trip. Same thing for before I would go on a cruise, I'd take a child on a ferry ride. Before mm-hmm. I went on a long trade ride, maybe I'd take a short commuter ride. Just anything to orient the child to what's going to happen. And for airports, uh, there are programs that the ARC runs called Wings for Autism. Uh, that will allow you to have a dress rehearsal from mm-hmm. arrival at the airport up into boarding. Uh, some airlines also will run tours of the airport for you. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want your child to know what turbulence feels like, take um, take a ride on a bumpy road and ask them <laughs> to close their eyes because it's kind of like what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. I, I think here in Vancouver that they, through the uh, Canucks Autism Network here, which is quite big, I haven't really done much with them, but they offer the airline or the airport tours. And also you mentioned in your book about the sunflower lanyard, which I think they also do there. Did you want to just touch a little bit on, on what that is? Sure. And actually that is coming up in a, um, in a story I've got printed. It's coming up in the second part of a two parts deep dive into airports. So, um, That'll be an insider travel report. And I also take everything from there and put it on my own blog, travelingdifferent.com. And that updates and supplements the book. Uh, So the Sunflower Lanyard Program for Hidden Disabilities Awareness was created in 2016 at Gatwick Airport in the UK. And according to hiddendisabilitystore.com, it has since spread to over 130 airports. Uh, 38 of those are in the US and Canada as well as 450 universities, schools, colleges, all of the UK railroad system, theme parks, supermarkets, you know, I can go on and on, even 350 charities. It's meant as a discreet way to alert trained staff members that a passenger or patron has an invisible disability and may need additional time, additional assistance, or may be exempt from wearing a mask where and when that's applicable. Now, most of those restrictions have been lifted. Mm -hmm. but you never know when they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. So the lanyards are free uh, of charge from businesses and and organizations who are members of Hidden Disabilities Sunflower. Um, And for those who are unable to travel to get it, they can order them for a minimal charge. Um, 
And in my story, I have those links. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And we'll, we can link to everything in our show notes after. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, Down syndrome isn't a, an invisible uh, disability. It's obvious when you generally, yeah. you can, when you see somebody, you know, they have Down syndrome, but also kids with Down syndrome or adults even with Down syndrome, they can have other sensory issues like autism sure. or ADHD or other things. So I think it's a, a great thing to have that, you know, it's not obtrusive. And like you said, it's discreet, which I think is good. And then people are aware so that they just, you know, maybe the person just needs a little bit extra time and patience. So, which yeah. is wonderful. Now throughout the book, you, and you've just recently mentioned about things being like autism friendly and autism certified. So can you explain a little bit what this is and what the difference is and how sure. does somebody find out if a place or an attraction is that? Uh, by the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and course. then follow, follow the website, follow the blog. Uh, so what I do mention both autism friendly and autism certified throughout the book, autism certified and advanced autism certified, uh, it's certified autism centers, CAC and mm -hmm. advanced certified autism centers are both designations given by IBCCES, which I mentioned earlier. It stands for the international um, board of continuing education of credentialing and continuing education okay. standards. I had okay. to memorize that. <laughs> I still <laughs> screwed it up. I still screwed it up. Wonderful. So anyway, so they give that designation and they have their standard that applies to all that. There are other credentialing groups, uh, primarily the champion autism network, which is CAN. Mm -hmm. There is Culture City, there's Sensory City, um, Autism Speaks is getting into the act, even though at this point they haven't um, they haven't really designated any particular um, tourism facilities as, as uh, autism friendly. So anywhere in the book that you see CAC means an IBCCES certified autism center. Autism friendly can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. If they've been designated by any of the different other groups that I mentioned, great, because there's a unifying standard. Mm -hmm. But anybody can open up a, a hotel and say, oh, we're autism friendly. And it doesn't really mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So what's important for anybody who gets my book to do, and mm -hmm. I like to think of my book as a place where I've included not just IBCCES properties, but all the properties I could find, and this is ever growing, which of is course, where I have yeah. the blog. Um, do your due diligence, call the property, and I include all the addresses and phone, uh, phone numbers and URLs, and ask them, how did you get your designation? Who were you designated by? Um, what does it mean? What do you offer? Because you want to make sure that what they offer is right for your child. Mm -hmm. Because every child on the spectrum is different. What you also want to make sure of is nothing's changed since they got their designation, since a lot of things changed during COVID. Mm -hmm. And people lost staff that might have been trained, and maybe the new staff haven't been trained yet. And mm -hmm. you also want to make sure they haven't moved, their hours haven't changed, but also that what they offer is offered all the time, or at least when you're going to be in town. Because if a museum, for example, offers a low sensory afternoon, one Saturday a month, and it's not the Saturday you're in town, it's not doing you much good. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much in a nutshell what I mean. But every property that I list is either autism friendly or certified autism center. It has it in parentheses. And at press time, a lot of the CACs changed 
So if I have 2021 CAC, it means that it was a CAC, CAC in 2021. They did not renew. Mm -hmm. And there are many reasons a property might not have renewed. They might have lost money during COVID and they have not gotten the designation back or they might have lost staff, as I said before. And it doesn't mean that they didn't have the training. But again, call them and find out what's being offered now. Mm -hmm. Yes, I found the the list that you had at the end of the chapters was very comprehensive. I was really stunned and like, and we can talk a little bit about it in a bit, like you cover all different types of travel, like cruises, resorts, dude ranches, like, which isn't something I would ever thought that there would be somewhere that I could take my child. You know, I mean, it sounds fun, but it wasn't something that I thought would even be possible, you know? So I, I thought it was awesome. Like all, you know, like all the different places, like it was very comprehensive. I thought, well, that's a lot of work to do all of that. So I'm sure that took you quite some time. Thanks. Yeah. I'm very, I'm, I'm a little obsessive about things like that. I like to get in as much as I can. And mm -hmm. I think there was one reviewer who called me relentless and I don't know if that was a good thing or not. <laughs> no, I think for something like this, I, I think that's a compliment because I find you do have to really research a lot. Like if you're going to try to do something different, but you know, if you have like a resource, like your book where you can just go and look up, okay, like what are these cruise? What, like, let's go on a cruise. Cause it's all self-contained. Where, where can I go? Yeah. So I thought that was wonderful. Now, since we're talking a little bit about cruises, um, you, why don't you talk a little bit about the autism of the seas or, did I say that correctly? Is it autism of the seas? Yeah. Autism okay. on the seas. On the seas. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Um, I think that that was one of the biggest surprises I got when writing the book because I didn't know about them. So that's just an international organization that has been in collaboration with uh, Royal Caribbean International since 20, 2007. So they've developed cruise vacation services to accommodate adults and families living with children with special needs including but not limited to ASD, Down syndrome, Tourette's, cerebral palsy, and all cognitive, intellectual, and developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. So their service is quickly expanded to other cruise lines, and their staff is background checked and sanctioned by the cruise lines. They accompany the neurodiverse guests on their cruises to provide, quote, amazing, I'm not allowed to say it myself, but they can say it, amazing vacation and travel experiences on board Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, Norwegian, Disney, and Carnival. So these cruises are operate almost every week throughout the year. I think they're probably starting up much more now because mm -hmm. COVID's over. Um, they cater to special needs guests, regardless of age, children traveling with families, teenagers traveling with families, and adults traveling with family or in a group home. The staff coordinate private activities and respite services, which range from one to three hours at a time, so it gives everybody a break. Mm -hmm. uh, private sessions are assisted by staff at most of the ship's venues, and the seats are observed at shows, so nobody has to arrive early. This is really important. They receive a private muster drill because that is super chaotic. Even if you're neurotypical, that'll just, it's its very jarring, that whole um, very crowded and everybody's running in different directions. Um, expedited boarding and disembarkation. Again, that can be sort mm -hmm. of chaotic and crowded and you want to do that privately. Reserve seating at all meals. Um, and they, ex they offer these perks to extended families and friends too 
as well as neurotypical siblings and accompanying friends. They can attend the respite sessions. Um, but for guests who want to travel on their own, and I actually think that one of the best parts of um, autism on the seas is that families can sort of get together and commiserate mm -hmm. and trade tips. And I think that would be really a, a strong point. But if you want to travel on your own, they have a cruise assistance package. It's offered free of charge if you book through them. Um, and this allows guests to pick the cruise of their choice and they'll provide guidance and consultation and help with all the different parts of the trip. Um, and the price is the same as they would be on the cruise line website. Um, oh, and really? Then, yeah. Wow. Aut Autism on the Seas also offers some private uh, financial assistance mm -hmm. and anybody who wants to know about that can contact them or read the book because I, I um, talk about that at length. Yeah, I really because I have never heard about autism on the seas like and I know we talked briefly before we started about the buddy cruises, which is very Down syndrome um, specific, and I don't really know much about it, but kind of similar where someone's coordinating a cruise, I think it's from a certain destination, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then there'll be other families with Down syndrome there. But I love that it's Autism on the Seas. It's catering to not just autism, but all sorts of different uh, disabilities. But that also that families can apply for some financial assistance, like because perhaps they couldn't ever afford to go on a cruise. Right. And so I thought this is really fantastic because you know all families deserve a break, but especially special needs families, yeah. they, you know, really deserve a break. So that's wonderful. And and what is their website? Is it autism on the seas.com.com and we'll certainly uh list that in in the show notes now as i was reading through your book like you had so many wonderful uh tips for parents that you know might not always think about until maybe you're in the midst of a crisis or something but uh some of the tips that i found that were really helpful and i know especially with down syndrome a lot of our kids not my daughter so much are elopers like they're they're runners and so that is a lot of part of i think which can be tr really terrifying to travel is because what if your child takes off and you're in a foreign city you you know it's it, it could be terrifying but the the tips that i thought were great were you know take a picture of your child each day like you know it's fun okay this is where we're going today let's take a picture but then you also know what they're wearing because it could be really easy to forget, especially in the chaos of, you know, where's my child and trying yeah. to get all your ducks in, in a row. I thought that was, you know, it makes total sense, but you know, it just, it, it, you, know, you just do it and then you have it. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting was what you called the safety tattoos. Can you explain what these are and where can people get them? Yeah, I honestly, <laughs> what I remember more, because as I, I said to you earlier, is that I wrote this about two years ago, because <laughs> yeah. I'm always reviewing um, mm -hmm. before speaking to anyone, um, is writing the name, your name and your phone number of where you can be reached on the child's arm and covering it with a liquid bandage. So mm -hmm. that way it's water soluble. I mean, it's protected from water and sweat. So I think that's a great idea. I'm sure in the book it talks about the tattoos. I just don't remember it. It's okay. Yeah, I think it it did talk about that, like doing the water bandage. And 
I was recently at our, our, our fair and I saw some kids with like a, a label on their back of their shirt. So one, mm -hmm. the kid can't get it off and it had their name saying if lost, you know, their, I think it was their name and the parent's contact number. So, uh, which makes total sense. So I thought that that was great too. I like and, the part about sewing the, uh, sewing a GPS into their clothing so that you have that. I, I, I see the benefit in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just making sure even in one of their pockets, you have a piece of paper with your name and phone number. I mean, what's the harm? You want to mm -hmm. be as protect as you can be. And, and some people use tethers or stroller, yeah. keep their stroller with them at all times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I can totally understand why parents would use like, like the tether or a harness, you know, cause they can still roam, but they're still, you know, they can't take off yeah. from you. So yeah. which makes total sense. And one of the other thing that you mentioned a lot, and I think a lot of us in the Down Center community are quite familiar with this is a visual schedule. Like lot, like, can you perhaps explain the benefit of benefit of this? I mean, I think a lot of us know what they are. But when you're traveling, I don't think we always think about doing that. Yeah, I think that as much as you can explain about the trip, you should. Mm -hmm. And that can also include giving your child, if they are able, choices that you've mm -hmm. pre-vetted of what you're going to do every day. So here's three choices of what we can do in the morning. Which one do you want to do? Same thing with the afternoon. And really pace the trip so that it works for the child. Because even though you might want to do a million things because you spent the money for the trip, what's going to be a memorable vacation is if maybe you do one or two things and spend the rest of the day by the pool or in front of the TV because the child gets to decompress and it becomes more of a memorable time for them. It's their trip, not yours. Mm -hmm. um, so along with that, I would say, um, and now I've totally forgotten the question. <laughs> about using the visual schedule. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank this. you. Yeah. So when you're going to create that after they've made the choices, you can draw a picture that relates to that and put it on your calendar. So here is a picture of the zoo, like a giraffe, and underneath is a picture of the pool. And that's the schedule for the day. And maybe you put in a picture of lunch or dinner, you know, in between. Um, and so they, if they're not, especially if they're nonverbal, they can instantly sort of follow what the day is going to be. And that's handing them some predictability. Yes. And I, I definitely see the benefit of that because sometimes traveling, it can be a little chaotic and sometimes, you know, you're planning to do one thing and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, but yeah, cause my daughter does use a lot of schedules you know, somewhat at home, but also in school a lot. But I think it would really be beneficial when we travel that, you know, because on this day, we're going to do this. And I think it allows her because we went to every year we do a little road trip up to Kelowna. It's like um, wine country. And, you know, we go to the kangaroo farm and, you know, I thought maybe this year she might be more interested, but n not really. And, you know, but also maybe because she didn't really have a choice in the matter. We just went, you know, I maybe need to give her a few more choices and what she wants to do when we're away instead of what I think that she might yeah. want to do. So, yeah. And I would also encourage people to have backup plans, especially if your plans involve outdoor activities. Maybe you have a, a secondary visual schedule for if that doesn't work because it's raining, here's what we're going to do inside. Mm-hmm and and have that and go over that so the child is prepared for whatever is going to happen 
Mm-hmm. If you prepare a child, you're going to have a lot less chance of meltdown. Yes, 100%. And, and I also feel like when you provide choices that they have, it, it gives them some empowerment over yeah. what they're doing so that they can enjoy it more and, and, and have fun. Cause we all go on vacation to have fun. You know, we don't want to be dealing with all the challenging behaviors and so on, which, yeah. which I think is one reason why a lot of parents won't travel because that's but what they're concerned about. By giving them the choices, you've also, they have a buy-in. I mean, mm-hmm. now they have a vested interest in the success because it's their choice. So obviously mm-hmm. you want to make your choice work. So why not have them on your side? Yes, exactly. 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you also talked um, a lot about, you know, and I'm sure most of us parents can relate, but the the magic or the go-to bag and its importance. Yeah. So that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually made a note of what to include. So I'm going to read from the book. Okay. Um, uh, this was a quote from El- Dr. Ellen Littman. Um, one tool that's repeated many times throughout the book um, is this go-to bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says that when properly packed and managed, it can save relationships. <laughs> quote, only a parent carries this bag and can use one item whenever boredom, overwhelm, or fatigue threatens to rock the boat. And here are some of her uh, suggestions. And I include a similar list in each chapter because I believe that people are going to not read cover to cover. They're going to read if they're going on a train trip and Mm -hmm. then they're staying in a vacation rental, they're going to read those two parts. So I've included this. So forgive the repetition readers, Mm -hmm. but it was for a reason. So some of the things you're going to always bring with you, noise canceling headphones, um, which reduce stimulation and sensory overload, uh, snack side Ziploc bags with low or no sugar foods in discrete units and disposable packaging that aren't messy, don't require refrigeration or utensil- utensils like popcorn or cereal or cut up carrots or uh, animal crackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprises, which uh, cost less than $10 each in little gift bags. Think silly putty, four color pens, nothing that makes noise or moves and might annoy others. So if I was going to bring this, I would definitely tell my kids, um, if the plane's delayed, every hour that we're stuck on the tarmac, I'm going to give you one of these prizes because now <laughs> they're kind of rooting yeah. <laughs> for the delay and why not? Yeah. yeah. So um, a change of clothes so you can be prepared rather than frantic when things get dirty or wet. Art supplies or an Etch-A-Sketch if you can find one. I don't even know Mm -hmm. if they sell those anymore, but I hope they do because I grew up with Etch-A-Sketch. And Band-Aids, Neosporin, whatever medication is, you know, approved by your physician, like Benadryl, anti-nausea medication, Tylenol, whatever you need, but always have it with you. I would also add... um, dark glasses. And I would even suggest bringing those to uh, theme parks, even at night, mm-hmm. because those flashing lights can mm. be jarring. Oh, I never even thought of that, actually. Yeah, my daughter has the transition glasses like mm-hmm. with her. So yeah, but that would make sense because I could see that uh, be challenging for a lot of kids. Yeah. yeah. Now, d- I know we were talking earlier about, you know, a lot of places aren't wearing, uh, you don't have to wear the masks anymore, but are you aware if on planes, like I know my daughter won't wear a mask. 
Yeah, like, they, they there... dropped that, I think. Um, okay. I, that's not to say it will always be dropped. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I know parents with special needs kids did was they would practice wearing them at home every day mm -hmm. for longer and longer periods with a prize at the end of each so okay. that they got, you know, I, as you can probably tell, I'm a big proponent of bribery. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah. So why not? So, you know, this particular parent that I spoke to five minutes, one day, 10 minutes, the next day, they worked up to a half an hour. In the end, the child didn't have a problem with the mask on the plane. Oh, wow. So, it, But they, you know, they were used to it. Um, and hopefully we'll never have to deal with that again. Fingers crossed. I know yeah. it's, yeah. it's been a rough two years. Yeah. I Just... think that a lot of the people I spoke to during this time, if their children didn't wear masks, they, uh, or wouldn't wear masks, they drove. And you mentioned mm -hmm. Disneyland mm -hmm. as a place that may, but there are lots of theme parks and many of them are, um, autism certified or okay. autism friendly and just pick one of those that are closer. Right. Yeah. Uh, Disney is not the only game in town. It really isn't. There's plenty of places and more and more of them are getting certified. And do you, do you know though, if D Disney is at all or? Disney has, a, as I discuss in the book, Disney mm -hmm. has a lot of provisions. Um, they will allow you to get a stroller as a wheelchair sticker. So you can mm -hmm. keep your stroller with you because that's really going to be helpful with those long lines. Yes. No diagnosis is necessary. You just need to explain what it solves for your child. Like child can't stand still for long periods. A stroller would allow her to sit down while waiting or child can't manage a crowded situation. Stroller would allow him to sit and pull down the shade and have some isolation. Mm -hmm. So Disneyland resorts as an attraction by attraction guide. That will tell you which rides have loud noises, scents and smells, flashing lights. Uh, go to your certified autism travel professional to help you with this. Mm -hmm. They also have um, the DAS or Disney Access Pass, which allows disabled individuals to wait anywhere uh, else than stand in line. Okay. But, but at press time, when I was going to press, which I got, I don't even remember, I guess it was like April or May, they were making changes to the program. So mm -hmm. it was unclear if an extra fee would be charged. Um, and there've been enhancements that I explain in the book uh, where they would allow you to enroll before arrival via a live video call. Um, oh, and wow. people should really check that out. Um, if you go to disneyworld.disney.go.com slash genie, you can probably find out some of that. You can contact Disney, you know, just Google Disney disability services. Okay. Um, and, or as I said, go to a certified autism travel professional because they know all this and they're going to save you a lot of time and not charge anything extra, most likely. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, like you said, there's lots of amusement parks out there yeah. and it's not just Disney. I know a lot of people just... Disney is sort of, you know, the top of their list and, you know, but I can understand that it could be certainly overwhelming being yes. in a large uh, theme park like that. And that there are lots of other options, you know, and, you know, and I think it's so fantastic that there is, there are these opportunities out there for our families, because I think for a lot of families, it is, 
really daunting without like, you know, having a resource like your book and just the internet now, you know, because I had never heard of the certified autism travel professional, which I think is fantastic, because I think they would be able to help me, you know, and I think probably most parents with children with special needs, not just autism. So, you know, I think it's fantastic. And especially I think most people are now itching just to get out of get out of town. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So in the book at the end, I give a bio for every certified autism travel professional that I interviewed for the book, even if they weren't quoted in the book. And I list a link where you can find others. And the nice thing about technology is that you don't have to have one in your backyard to work with them. You know, you can, even if you're in Vancouver and you find Mm -hmm. somebody that sounds really knowledgeable in North Carolina, you can just have a Zoom call. That's fantastic. Like really, I had no idea, you know, because I was just would book online through Expedia or whatever, but I think now not so much. Not with this population. I would really go to somebody who knows their stuff. And I think by reading the book, you're going to get a good feeling of who really knows what they're doing. Yeah. And like I'd mentioned um, earlier about, I was just really amazed at the resource that your book was like, the detail that it went into with all the different various uh, types of travel that you can do, like you said, train travel, or, you know, um, uh, airplane resorts, which that was one we when we talked about briefly before we started, because I had often thought about that. And I thought, but, you know, I wouldn't know where, like, it's going to be a holiday for me. Probably not. But you know, but then now I have this resource that I could just find yeah. somewhere that where I could, and it would also be great for my child too. Like I was just really amazed. And like I said, dude ranches, <laughs> that's so cool. Like I would never thought of taking my child to that. Yeah. yeah. Anything with nature is always helpful. I talk about national parks and mm-hmm. a disability pass that will get you in for free. Uh, also sports vacations. Uh, there are adaptive skiing, mm-hmm. golf, um, skiing golf scuba which was a surprise to me mm-hmm. um, the horseback riding but i've even written something for the traveling different blog about uh, surfing adaptive wow. surfing and they've got them for both people who have physical as well as invisible disabilities so um you know keep reading that blog but i'm saying something like a sports vacation which does not involve team sports with uh children they tend to like to just improve their own golf swing or their own slalom or whatever it is you do when you're skiing. I don't ski, (laughs) (laughs) but um, there isn't the necessity for interaction with a group, which is helpful if you have social anxiety. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, others in your party who might be neurotypical can also enjoy the vacation. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that would be I think a surfing, that would be kind of, I think that could be kind of fun to try. Check the blog. It's free to read. I will. (laughs) Most definitely. And, um, you know, also a little bit all over the place, but I I was also surprised to learn from your book, like we talked about the sunflower lanyard, but also that kids under 12, they don't need to remove their shoes. I Uh, I guess not. Yeah. If, if that's what I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> I was true. very like insecurity. I was very surprised about that. I, cause I, I mean, I haven't gone 
my daughter's only nine, but, um, and it's only been, we only flew when she was a baby and she was actually a really good flyer then. So uh, I was very surprised because you never know what's going to happen, but, um, yeah, well, it was what's, very... what's interesting, I, I don't know if it's in Canada, but I would think it might be, but definitely in the States, uh, there's an organization called TSA Cares. I list their phone number in the book, but I'm sure you can Google it too. And that will give you somebody, it varies per airport, but in the best situations, there'll be somebody who's assigned to you that will get mm -hmm. you through the more difficult parts of security in the airport, like your own little shadowed person. Yeah. Uh, and And that's a very helpful thing to have somebody there with you. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. And I thought that's so fantastic. I, I think people don't really know that there's a lot out there to enable you to travel. I think yeah, most people don't realize like you, you don't have to do it alone. There's lots of people out there, lots of resources that can get you to where you want to go and to have an enjoyable time. I mean, yeah. I think especially after these last two years, most people do want to get out there and travel again and explore and, and see what the world has to offer once again, because it's been hard not being able to really do much of anything for two years. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I so, agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the book is a great checklist because mm -hmm. no matter what you do, if you're going to do a different trip in a year, you're going to forget some things. It's all there for you to follow. And mm -hmm. There are lots of different suggestions for each type of activity. If one doesn't work, another might, because this is all one big learning experience. And I see it as a crowdsourcing experience. So if your listeners have a different experience than what I have listed or a different tip or a better tip, my email address is in the book. Send it to me because I would love to put you, you know, write you up in a blog. You might end up in a future edition of the book, but everybody should benefit from everybody else's experience. 100%. Yeah. I just, again, found it, there is just so much information, very resourceful and just, sorry, uh, we were talking about the theme parks that you can even get, uh, a theme park nanny, which I never had heard of before either, but like someone who can assist you in the theme yeah. park, you know, and also, uh, you know, you can find people like who could travel with you on your vacation, yeah. you know, yeah. because it gives you a bit of a break. So, I mean, and all those resources are listed in the book, which I thought was, you know, really fantastic. And I found it was, this is a great tool for parents, you know, if they, you know, want to venture out there maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone and you know graduate maybe from the road trip or whatever you know to get on a plane or go on a cruise so lots of really fantastic information in your book and thank you for sharing your book and so where can people find you yeah um i would go to travelingdifferent.com that mm -hmm. is traveling with one l because okay. there you're going to find links to where you can buy the book. I mean, the book's at Amazon, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's at independent bookstores all around the world. They'll have to order it. It's likely not on their shelves because people have very limited shelf space. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, you could probably go to your library. And if your library doesn't have a, have it, ask them to stock it so that people who can't afford it can have access to it. Um, and also Roman and Littlefield, who are the publishers, it's available on their website too. So, um, you know, add, go to the blog, subscribe to it because follow it to get updates and to okay. get original information and, um, a link to this podcast will be on there too.
Wonderful. <laughs> also, Wonderful. There, there'll be information about how to book me if you want me to come to your organization, either virtually or in person. Mm -hmm. And um, any of the events and appearances I'll be having over the course of the next year. Okay, that's wonderful. We'll definitely link that in the show notes. And like you said, travelingdifferent.com with one yeah. L because in Canada, one L. yes, yeah. we're two L. So yes, I, I would have just typed in the double L without thinking. Yeah. So yeah, so that's wonderful. And yeah, like for parents out there who are listening, it's like, seriously, if you're thinking of going on a trip, I definitely would pick up Don's book because I learned so much and there's a ton of resources in there that I'm sure like anyone who reads it, they'll, they'll learn a lot about what, how they can travel with their, their kid who might, you know, be a, you know, has some special needs or, you know, might be a little bit challenging in some different situations. So. Yeah. If you're planning fall or holiday travel, now's the time to get it. So you have some time to plan in advance and it makes a great holiday gift. <laughs> <laughs> Don, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. So I, I have a lot of things to think about and uh, I think I need to get planning on my next trip. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Mary, I really enjoyed the bit about getting your kids prepped for travel, especially the part about getting your kids used to air turbulence by going down a rough, bumpy road. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here in BC, we got a lot of rough, bumpy roads, so it's, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be hard to find one. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. But yeah, lots of great tips that I thought would be really helpful, especially now that things have opened up. And, you know, if you're wanting to travel that, you know, to do that and, you know, because it's, it's a little different now than, you know, pre COVID, but, you know, I think this is a really great resource for parents in, in how they can do that. And, and there's so much at the end of each chapter on the different organizations and different companies like the different cruise lines, the different resorts that you can go to that are going to support you and your child during your stay there so that you can have an enjoyable time. Well, I was interested when she mentioned an accreditation program for hotels mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that were, you know, sensory, not, I don't want to say compliant, but sensory aware. Friendly. Yeah. 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 There's like, I was shocked to learn that there is even such a thing out there. You know, I, just it's a very important thing for parents. Well, yeah, because I just assumed there wasn't, you know, and which can make traveling so much harder if you if you think if you don't even if you're not even aware of these things that are available yeah, exactly. to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, it being aware of these things also helps for you know people like me to be aware that there are you know like like the was it the sunflower mm -hmm. lanyard. Yeah, right? it's important for me to know that like if a kid's having a meltdown and I see that lanyard, I'm going, okay, that's that this is not just your typical, you know, child tantrum. This is something that is, this is something that we have to be aware of and forgiving about. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So, yeah. Okay, well, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, do we have anything for the next episode or are we just going to take a bit of a break until you recover from the <laughs> no, retreat i've got some pretty exciting guests uh lined up uh we're going to finally talk to sarah from the dsrf right and you know that i'm going on the retreat so hopefully we'll have a retreat episode soon and also yes. 
I'm really excited about <laughs> That's so much work. <laughs> like, Thank you, it's Ron. so much work for you to gather the gather the material. And it's a <laughs> lot of work for me to, put, to it put it together. We'll do our best. And also uh, a topic that I'm really excited about. Uh, we're going to talk to Dr. John Santoro, uh, and we're going to talk about Down syndrome and regression. And I didn't really know a whole lot about it until, until I started asking some questions about it. But I'm really looking forward to talking with him because from what I've learned is parents are really desperate for information and where they can go to and who they can talk to about this really devastating, I don't know if illness is the correct word or condition that why don't we compromise kids, and call it a situation? Yeah, I think it's even more than that. It's it's quite devastating uh, when our kids get regression. And we'll talk a lot more about that and the work that he's doing. So I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, like, you know, it's we're starting to wind down for this season. So more to yeah, go just in just in time for winter then we'll have a break and then we'll do a christmas episode then we'll have another break yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right why don't you walk us away from this one okay thanks for listening to the t21 mom podcast and as always i would love to hear from you tell me your stories what's going on in your life what's important to you you can email me at info at t21mom.com you can also find me on facebook at T21Mom. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Trisomy21Mama. And it would also mean a lot if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a little review and we'll give you a little shout out. And that way we could become a little more searchable to others in the Down syndrome community. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. Enjoy the retreat, Mary. Thanks, Ron. And thanks for driving me to the airport at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Cookies. That's all I want is cookies. I'll get you your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> See you. See ya. See ya.